It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Reds fans? My name is Jeff Carr, and you are Locked on Reds. And here we go. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome into the Locked on Reds podcast. Today, we continue. Our 2019 review of the Reds farm system with Doug Gray. He is here. We are going to talk about the bats, the lookouts, and I've got a controversial question to ask him at the end of all of this. So first off, Doug, how are you doing on this Tuesday? Not too bad. Not too bad. How about yourself? I am doing very swimmingly actually, probably already swimming at this point, hoping (laughs) at least. Well, this is going to release early on in the morning, so I'm sleeping, and then I'm going to be thinking about swimming. Uh, (laughs) Anyway. Good good luck with that. That's all part of a joke. I'm actually, we're recording this on (laughs) a week in advance. I am on vacation, and Doug has been gracious enough to step in. We're talking Red's farm system here. Let's start off. This Tuesday, we looked yesterday, we looked at an article that was on RedsMinorLeagues.com talking about if the minor leagues should be a thing, which they should be, spoiler alert. But if you haven't checked it out, go listen to that episode. We talked about that. We also talked about the awards for the season, best pitcher, best hitter, best reliever, and best player of the year for the Reds farm system. Today, we're going to hone in on a couple of teams, starting off with the Louisville Bats. Overall, I mean, if you're a standings person and you're looking at how they finished record-wise, not great. Tied for the worst record in the International League. What's that mean, Doug? It means their season did not go well. Didn't go well. Uh, It did not go well. Um, You know, offensively, they were about league average. Pitching-wise, they were, well, I mean, honestly, they were close to league average. Um, I mean, they were a little bit below league average in both situations, but, uh, you know, I I think that offensively things are a little bit skewed for them. Um, you know, their OPS overall is roughly league average, but that was very heavily weighted towards three players, uh, Brian O'Grady, Aristides Aquino, and Josh Van Meter. Uh, those guys absolutely raked for large parts of the season when they were on the field. Um, you know, Josh Van Meter had an OPS of 1,097 in 40 and 49 games. Uh, but he pretty much was in the major leagues, you know, before the all-star break. Uh, Aristide Sacchino had a 992 OPS, but he only played in 78 games. Brian O'Grady was there for most of the season, had a 909 OPS. Um, and I guess, you know, what we should probably mention Rob Ref Snyder, who's no longer in the organization. The Reds released him at the, uh, 
the the end of August. Um, I'm not entirely sure what the reason behind that was. Perhaps it was a chance, you know, he requested it thinking that maybe because he performed well in AAA that somebody would give him a major league contract and give him a shot in September. Um, I have not checked in the past two days, but I had been kind of trying to keep an eye on it. Uh, he has not been picked up by another organization yet. He hit 315 with a 500 slugging percentage in AAA this year. He's got major league experience, but uh, no, no, nobody has given him that opportunity yet. But, you know, besides those guys, like, the offense wasn't exactly good. So I, I think when you look at the overall numbers, uh, specifically OPS, it's very heavily weighted. And so, you know, you look at it and you're like, oh, well, they're about league average, but then you look at their runs total and it's not exactly remotely close to league average. Um, and I, I think that it's because those guys didn't really spend a lot of time there. When they were on the field, it worked out really well for them. But, you know, you also had guys like Juan Gratterall with a 626 OPS, Scott Shevler with a 598 OPS, Blake Traha with a 598 OPS. Like, those guys... I mean, they all played a third of the season or most of the season, and I mean, they were not good at all. Um, you know, Jose Siri spent 30 games there. He had a 497 OPS. Um, Stuart Turner played in 28 games, had a 398 OPS. And remember, this is the juiced baseball era of AAA baseball, um, and those guys were providing literally next to nothing on a daily basis. Um, and I, I think that. You know, that's that explains a lot of what was going on with the, the record in Louisville. Um, their, their offense simply was very inconsistent and heavily weighted towards a few players. Uh, you know, we've seen this with the Reds at the big league level um, over the last couple of years. Uh, when you have three or four just completely dead spots in your lineup, it's really tough to be any sort of consistent offensively. And I, I think that that was what was going on in AAA, too. Right. And. Let's hone in on a couple of guys here, especially I want to look at Scott Shebler because he was a mainstay. He was a big part of the Reds lineup the last couple of years, and then this season started off super bad, super slow, and so they sent him down. And he didn't really fix anything, at least from the way that things looked. Have you talked to anybody about Scott Shebler? What are they saying, and what's going on with Scott I mean, I think it's pretty simple. He hurt his shoulder last year, and it never got better. Uh, he had surgery on it at the beginning of August uh, to try and get it fixed. I, I think that he either tried to play through it knowing that it was hurt, or it just wasn't right, and he didn't quite know that it wasn't quite right. Uh, I, you know, we can, we can look back to it last year in the major leagues. When he hurt his shoulder, he was hitting very well. When he came back from that, he couldn't hit his body weight, and he's never come close to hitting again since then. I, I really do think that it's that simple. He was hurt and tried to play through it. Whether he did it on purpose or not, I don't know. But I think it's pretty clear that that's what happened. Um, he had shoulder surgery in August. Hopefully that's you know that's what he needed to get done. Now, shoulders are a mess even for you know position players. Sometimes guys can come back from it. Sometimes guys can't. Um, it just depends on how bad it was in there. So uh, we're probably not going to have a really good answer for what Scott Schebler can return to until next year and – uh, I think there's a pretty decent chance that he's not going to be at least on the 40-man for the Reds next year. Now, maybe you know they non-tender him and he re-signs with them. I don't know, but I'd be very surprised if he made it through the offseason uh, still on the Reds' 40-man roster. I was going to say, he's, he's arbitration eligible. He's not a free agent until 2023, but he is 28 years old. I mean, it, is it... 
I, I don't think that he would be in their future plans at this point, right? I mean, it depends. Uh, you know, I, I think that if nothing else, I, you know, when, when Scott Shebler has been healthy, I mean, at worst, he's a fourth outfielder, right? He can play center field. There's some pop in his bat. He's got some speed. Uh, you know, we've seen him in left field before. You know, we've seen him in right field before. I mean, when healthy, he does look like a fourth outfielder. So I, I think that there's a chance that he could be in the plan somewhat. Now, obviously, there's going to be competition there because, you know, it's not like Philip Urban's not playing well in that role. You know, we talked about Brian O'Grady yesterday and how he could possibly fill that role. Um, you know, it, depending on exactly how the Reds offseason goes, maybe it means Nick Senzel's no longer in center field. Um you know, if maybe he slides into into second base or, you know, there, there's a lot of different options. So there, there's definitely some competition there. But I, I also don't think that we should just be like, you know, Scott Shetler is never going to be a major leaguer again. I, I think that in the past he's shown that he's a major leaguer. Now, whether people want to argue or not, whether he should have been starting that, whatever, you can have that argument with yourself. I, I, can, I can see both sides of it. But I think that he's definitely shown that he has had major league ability in the past. Um, and so... You know, I don't think that the team is going to plan their future around him, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if we saw Scott Shevler again in the major leagues, um, you know, all year long for someone. Now, whether that's going to be as a starter or not is a completely different story. There's another guy I want to get into, and um, he's not necessarily an underperformer or a guy who was a major leaguer that got sent down or anything like that, but he's a dude whose name popped up a couple of years ago because he was a um, international signing for the Reds. And some folks maybe falsely attributed a lot of expectations to him or something of that nature, i.e. me, because, I don't know, I just got excited about it. What do you think about Alfredo Rodriguez? I, I, I'm not sold on the bat at all. Um, the defense hasn't been as good as it was advertised, although I think that that's due to injuries that he's suffered over the last couple of years. Um, yeah, I, I, I just don't see it. He did perform somewhat better in, in double a this year, but it was basically all because he hit a few more singles. Um, he still has absolutely no ability to drive the ball whatsoever. And I think that we saw that when he reached triple a this year, um, he hit 169 and slugged 221 in 23 games. Now, obviously I, I don't think he's that bad, uh, but I also don't think that he's ever going to hit remotely close to enough to be anything than an emergency call-up shortstop. Let's take a look at a couple of pitchers, too. One, one in particular who folks had some expectations that maybe he would you know, take the next step in his career development, maybe, I don't know if breakout's the right term, but maybe something of that nature, and that is Vladimir Gutierrez. Guy was billed, at least in spring training, by folks that were watching him as a dude that very talented, had some good stuff. What's his season been like? Because if you look at the numbers, you're not super impressed, but I don't think anyone has lost their fervor on him. Am I wrong in that? Uh, yes and no. Um, I have definitely dropped him in my prospect rankings. Um I do think that some of what has going on with his season is, you know, triple A baseball related to give up 26 home runs this year and 27 starts. Um, but until major league baseball stops also using this baseball, that's a problem because it's the same baseball. It's going to, it's going to fly. And if triple A guys are doing that, well, major league guys are going to do that too. Um, now I, I th there was always kind of that thought that maybe his stuff wouldn't carry forward to the major leagues as a starter. 
you you still get that. Um, I I've said in the past that I thought his fastball was a little bit too straight um, for the velocity he was throwing it at. You know he's you know 91 to 95. Um, now he he does you know vary his arm angle a little bit, so you're getting a few different looks. But um, you know the, the fastball just it's not something that I think plays too well. Um, he's more of a guy who's got better off-speed stuff than a fastball. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that if you are able to use it the right way. I just don't think that that's a guy that, especially after this season, that I would be planning on uh, building around a as a starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely wouldn't give up on him as a starting pitcher in the minor leagues right now because, you know, things things can obviously change. Uh, and he's, I mean, he'll be 24 next year, so it's not like, you know, He's he's running out of time, so to speak. Um, but I, I do think that the the idea that he's going to be a, a future for sure starting pitcher um, is probably a little bit misguided if someone is still holding on to that idea. Okay. And then the last guy that I want to talk about before we move on to Chattanooga is a dude who finished the year hurt. He's He was on the injured list to in the season and one of the reasons he did not get called up in September as everyone was hoping to see him and he's out of options next year. And that is Cody Reed. Is he, or is, is he going to be okay? Come back fully healthy. And is he also going to get the Robert Stevenson treatment next spring training? As in he's really got to prove that he can't be on the team until he isn't. Well, let's address the second part first. Okay. Uh, I think so. I, I think that what Cody Reed has done the last two years between the minors and majors uh, warrants keeping him on the 25-man roster uh, simply because he is out of options. Now, um, I, I know that some people still have, you know, uh, PTSD for Cody Reed's starts a couple of years ago when he first got in the major leagues and was getting just beaten around like he didn't belong in the major leagues. Um, but 2018 and 2019 in the major leagues, he's pretty darn good. Uh, same can be said for his time in AAA where he was really, really good. Um, I, I think that he has absolutely made a change, uh, versus what we saw when he first got called up. Um, and I mean, let's be honest, the Reds need as many left-handed pitchers as they can possibly get. Um, the, the idea that Amir Garrett should be the only lefty in their bullpen is insane. Um, you know, the Reds have given other guys opportunities, whether it was Zach Duke, which didn't work out, or Wandy Peralta, who never should have been looked at as a guy who should face lefties in the first place, at least as like a lefty specialist, mm-hmm. uh, because he clearly had no, you know, ability to get lefties out anymore and he could get righties out. And the stats showed that for his entire career. Uh, you know, Cody Reed can fill that role. Um, and it's not like Cody Reed can't get out right-handers either. So, yes, I, I think that he, unless he just goes out there and just looks absolutely terrible but is healthy, that he should have that spot locked up in, in the bullpen next year. Uh, now, the question about his health, I, I don't know. I think that the, the idea is he should be healthy, um, but he clearly had a setback that has kept him from being healthy right now when the injury he suffered shouldn't have kept him out this long. Now, an entire offseason should be plenty of enough time, but things happen. And until a guy is healthy who isn't at the time, and it's not something like, oh, you know, he's just a little bit sore or, you know, I guess a broken bone you know is going to heal 
versus ligament damage, you know, tendon damage, things like that. It's a little bit different. Um, you know, fortunately for Cody Reed, it's, it's a knee rather than an elbow, shoulder. Um, but, you know, still, legs are pretty important for a pitcher. Uh, I I would assume that he should be ready to go by spring training, but, I, you know, until you, until you know, you don't know. They're looking at him solely as a reliever now, right? I, I believe so. Um, I mean, you know, you, you never really know down the line. Uh, you know, you could get the Lucas Sims situation where, you know, uh, a guy has to fill in as a spot starter in the major leagues or something. And I guess there's always a chance that Cody Reed could fill that kind of role one day. And, you know, if, if push comes to shove and they don't have enough starting pitchers, somebody's got to step in and do it. He might be that guy. But I, I think that, yes, the plan right now is that Cody Reed is a reliever from now moving forward. Okay. Uh, that. Hopefully he does come back healthy because it, he had a very limited exposure to the majors this season, but what we did see of him looked pretty solid and something to build on. So I think uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how he comes back next spring training. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your next live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. That's kickoff in the Vivid Seats app. So there I was, completely comfortable, sitting on the couch, had the Reds game on, it was late in the game, and I was getting hungry, and I remembered. I hadn't gone to the store in a while. And I wasn't about to go to the store to get something that I had to bring back and cook, but I really didn't want to go sit and wait in a drive through line either. That is where Postmates is perfect. Today, you can download the Postmates app. If you have not already done this, I urge you, do it. Download the Postmates app and enter promo code LOCKED ON. You're going to get $100 in free delivery for your first seven days. Postmates is an amazing delivery service. It's your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery you need all year round. And the best part about it is you don't even need to know where the restaurant or the store or whatever it is you need. You don't even need to know where that is. You can just download the Postmates app, get on Postmates, whatever you're craving, Postmates will bring it right to you. I've gotten Chipotle. I've gotten Jersey Mike's. You can get the whole spectrum. I mean, if you just want a piece of pie and maybe a cup of coffee, Postmates will bring it right to you. And they can deliver to you any time, day or night, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. Just download the Postmates app and enter promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. For your $100 in free delivery credit today, anything you need, any time you need it, Postmate it. Now let's move on down to Chattanooga. We're looking at the Lookouts. And they, unlike the Bats, didn't finish last. Well, they finished second to last. But not as great of a season as they would have hoped either, but this is home to the minor league pitcher of the season for the Reds, or at least the current home for him anyway, and Packy Naughton. Who outside of Packy Naughton stood out to you for the lookouts and give us a summary as a whole for their season? Well, their season was interesting because they, they had a winning record in the first half, 
And then the second half, they went 25 and 42 and just uh, they fell apart in to almost the very beginning of the second half. Um, and they, they just never recovered. Um, so that is interesting on its own. So they, they had an overall season where things did not work out for them. Um, now, as far as the players that stood out, there were a few guys on this team. Um, I guess, you know, Tyler Stevenson's the top prospect on the team at this point. Um, you know, he hit 285, 372 on base percentage, 410 slugging percentage, uh, 19 doubles, six home runs. Pretty solid season. Now, if you're wondering about the power numbers, he only played in 89 games, so he he was never really hurt. But as a catcher, you know, you're going to get off days. He was splitting a little bit of time here and there. Um, so he, he didn't have what we really consider a, a full season. You know, Gavin LaValle, for example, played 119 games on the season. He played the most for the lookouts. So, you know, Tyler probably missed, you know, 20 to 30 games that another guy would have gotten if he played somewhere other than catcher just because catchers need that extra time off. Um, now, what, what, what you like to see with Stevenson is uh, for the second straight year, he was healthy all season long. Um, you absolutely love that. Um because he wasn't healthy for quite a while um, in his the early part of his career, and he missed significant development time. Uh, and I think that that kind of, at least defensively, you know, kept him from making the improvements that you wanted to see as quickly as you would hope for. And over the last two seasons, we have seen that happen. Uh, his, his defense has taken quite a few steps forward. Um, I think that he's going to be ready next year for that, that next step uh, to up to AAA, which... It'll be interesting to see how his power plays if they keep that baseball the same rather than change it out next year. Um, you know, a guy who absolutely killed the ball two years ago, Ebondell Isabel, you know, hit 26 home runs again this year. He only played 91 games, uh, led the league in home runs, but also only hit 243 and had a .307 on base percentage, which I mean, you obviously want to see better numbers than that, but that power is... <laughs> It's something else, man. It, it really is. Uh, you know, they had Taylor Trammell for the first half of the season, who you know, he was traded away in the Trevor Bauer deal. Uh, didn't exactly impress you with the numbers, but when I was in town and watched him play, he definitely stood out. Um, the other guy who, if I had to name a team MVP, I would probably go with Mitch Ney. Uh, he got promoted to AAA later in the second half, but he hit 304, slugged 561 on the season for them. Uh, I think that he he was probably the the best offensive player on that team overall. Um, I do. I remember. Oh, I remember seeing a post from you where you're like, Mitch Ney is the best player you've never heard of in the Reds minor league system. Yes, he's he, he definitely. I, Mitch Ney, if you don't know, you know, former first round pick of the Blue Jays, he basically missed two and a half full seasons um, coming back from an injury. He. I, you know, he's still not even entirely sure how it happened, but he got staph infection and ended up having three different knee surgeries to try and clean that up and take care of that. And it, it really did cost him about two and a half years. Um, the Reds picked him up in the, the minor league version of the Rule 5, um, and that was two years ago. Um, and so, you know, he's kind of been working his way back from that. And last year was his first, or I guess two years ago at this point, was his first full season back. Um, and, you know, I talked to him and, you know, he said, it, you know, it, it kind of took some adjustments, just kind of get used to being back in there every day. Um, but, you know, this year he, he really took his game to the, to the next level. Now, 
he's not one of those guys like we, we talked about it yesterday with with Alex Powers. But um, you know, Mitch Nay is a free agent after this season. Uh, you know, he he did get a call up to AAA um, and spent about I, I he played twenty something games for Louisville, so not really much of a sample size to work with. And he he didn't hit exactly well, but um, you know, I'm a little bit surprised they didn't kind of give him a look um, in September. Um, not that I think there would have been too much playing time for him as a guy who plays third base and first base pretty much exclusively. Um, but uh, he's a guy that'll be interesting to see when the season's over. If they put him on the 40-man roster, they can always option him next year and I guess the year after that and the year after that too if they wanted to. Um, but given his performance, uh, how they decide to handle his free agency will be interesting because they can just add him to the 40-man roster and he can't be a free agent. But if they don't, then he's probably going to, you know, take the chance to look around and see if another team is willing to give him a, a better offer than the Reds are. So with him, and you know, we kind of mentioned like with Alex Powers not getting that call up, is he the kind of guy that you could see maybe the Reds holding on to, and maybe in a year or two he's almost, almost at a timeshare at first base with Joey Votto or. Uh, How's that going to work out and look for him? You know, I I, I don't really know. Um, I, I think that he definitely has the tools to be that kind of guy. Um, but uh, given that he, I mean, again, I, I don't think that it's necessarily fair to kind of say, well, you know, he's already 25. But, I mean, he is already 25. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, you're talking about a guy who, might be 27 years old by the time that you're the time frame you're talking about, um, and he has zero major league experience at this point. So, I mean, I, I just don't know. I, I know that if I were making the decisions, I would put him on the 40 man roster and keep him around at least for part of next year and see how that plays in Triple A. Um, you know, the, the power is real. He makes contact. He's got a good idea of what's going on at the plate, and he had a good year this year. And I, I think that with the time that he missed. Um, you know, he's, you know, former first rounder. So it's not like he came out of nowhere. Like people have seen these tools with him for a long time when he's been healthy. Um, I, I think that he's a guy that I would definitely be looking at to keep around in the organization. And, you know, I don't want to say it's a lottery ticket because I think that, it, you know, the chances are better than a lottery ticket, so to speak. But, um, that I think there's enough upside there with him that I'd keep him around. Um, now as far as planning forward for that, I, I don't think I would do that just yet, but I, I do want to, see what's there a little bit more. I, I want some more data points to work with. Nice. Yeah, and, and it's interesting just to, to note with the lookouts, um, they play in the wonderful Southern League. You've got great teams like the Biscuits, the Smokies, the Blue Wahoos, which used to be an affiliate of the Reds. But how much of a rivalry have the lookouts cultivated with the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp? I honestly have no idea. <laughs> Not a clue. <laughs> no, I just, oh man, I, I love minor league names. They're the best. But I did want to get into something real quick too, and this is outside of just the team-specific things. It is a topic that is regularly on the avid Reds fans' mind, and I know that there are many people that have very strong opinions on this, and I know that you are one of them. And I want to get your take right now. Are the Reds slow to call up players? No. 
They're not? No, they're not. <gasps> um, I, I think that they're... If you wanted to talk about that with, say, Nick Senzel, I'll say yes. Mm-hmm. If you want to talk about that with how they've treated their players for the last decade, absolutely not. Um, in fact, I think that the Reds are pretty average on that. You know, I, I think that a lot of this comes around the last couple of years because other teams have had these superstar stud prospects who have been able to reach the major leagues when they were 19, 20, 21 years old. The Reds just haven't had those guys. Like, they haven't had players that were good enough to do that in the major leagues. Like, it's not because they chose to keep them down. It's They didn't have those players that were that good. I mean, I, you know, last year, um, you know, one of the big things was is the Reds need to promote Taylor Trammell up to double A because, you know, he was in advanced A. Even though he wasn't hitting at advanced A, he hit really well in April and then didn't have an OPS over 700 in any other month in advanced A. And people were upset and saying the Reds were holding him back and not promoting him to double A. Well, he went to double A this year and he didn't hit. Didn't hit all year. I, you know, there was a reason that he didn't get promoted to double A last year. The Reds knew he wasn't hitting. Right. I don't know. I, I just feel that, uh, and I, I, hate, I hate to say this because it makes me fat, sound full of myself, and I, but it, it, I, I think that there's a lot of truth to it. People that aren't watching and following every day, they just didn't have any idea what was really going on. I, right. I, I, I just – all of the evidence was there that showed that, well, Taylor Tamell hasn't hit in 14 months, so why would they be aggressively promoting him? But people didn't want to see that or know that because, well, Taylor Tamell is our top prospect and – you know, Ronald Acuna Jr. or something, something, Ozzie Albee, something, something, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., something, something. He's not those guys. And that's nothing against Taylor Trammell. It's that those guys are freaks in the entire history of Major League Baseball. Like, those, we've seen a, a lot of those guys in recent years, but if you look over the course of Major League Baseball history, there aren't too many guys that came up and have done what those guys did and were doing. Like, they're very, very rare talents we've just seen more than a few of them in the last couple of years for for whatever reason i know that there's nobody that knows the reds minor league system better than you do so i'm definitely would never say that i disagree with your take and i don't disagree with your take at all i just know that you know far more than i do and i wanted to get your opinion on that because i'm with you the the reds don't have i mean Wander Franco and uh, Vladimir Gutierrez or Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, those guys, they don't grow on trees. And it's not just because, well, the Blue Jays have guys like that. The Reds must have guys like that. Not necessarily. Right. And, you know, I've I brought this up before. The Reds have only had two guys in the last decade plus who just tore through the minor leagues statistically and also had the right tools for that. Tony Singrani and Jay Bruce. And both of those guys got to the major leagues very, very quickly. Tony Singrani reached the major leagues in about a year. Uh, If you want to go back and look at his minor league numbers, they're absolutely baffling good. Like, he just dominated at every level. Now, you can question whether the Reds did it right by promoting him as quickly as they did because he was dominating in the minor leagues by throwing his fastball 85% of the time. But it's just that fastball was so good that minor leaguers had no idea what to do with it. 
So he never really developed secondary stuff, and we saw what happened when major leaguers kind of figured out that, well, this guy's got a really good fastball, but nothing else. They can hit it. You know, he's not Mariano Rivera, one-pitch fastball good. Uh, I mean, nobody is. Um, That's why Mariano Rivera is one of the greatest of all time, and, well, nobody else can get away with that. Um, But when you had a guy who had stuff, like Tony Singrani, and put up insane numbers, they moved him as quickly as they possibly could. Same thing with Jay Bruce. They haven't had anybody else like that. You know, uh, you know, Nick Senzel was one of the top prospects in all of baseball, and he he had good numbers. Heck, he had very good numbers, but he wasn't doing what, say, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr. was doing two years ago. Um, he wasn't doing what Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was doing last year. They're, they're different kinds of guys. Now, with that said, I, I still think that they played the Nick Senzel situation very incorrectly. Um, I do think that he is the one case where you can argue that they should have caught him up way before they did. Um, But the Reds just haven't had those guys. And when they have had those guys, and granted there's different people in charge today than there were when both of those situations were happening, but when they've had those kinds of guys, they've moved them very quickly and aggressively. They just, organizations, one specific organization doesn't have that guy very often. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.